Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for April the 9th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest gaming news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, it's your one-stop shop for all of the hottest gaming news that you need to know. And today we have some pretty big news to dive into, but before we get into that, I did want to say, in my personal gaming life, I finished Doom Eternal's campaign this morning. Very good game. On Twitter, I gave it a 9 out of 10. It's only hectic until you understand just exactly what you're doing and you match the enemies with the weapons. Phenomenal game. Highly recommend you dive in and give it a look. But with that being said, this is not a reviews podcast. Oh no, this this is a gaming news podcast. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the top stories of the day. First off, Vin wants to recreate the magic of G4 TV, but with YouTube and Twitch stars. Now, for those that have been subscribed to the channel for a while, I've been talking about Vin since it was first announced roughly last year at this time, if I remember correctly, and I am still just as excited about the concept of Vin as I was on day one. Vin, otherwise known as the Video Game and Entertainment News Network, wants to succeed where G4TV failed by launching a television channel entirely dedicated to gaming that appeals to both hardcore esports fans and people with a casual interest in video games. The network plans to offer a constant schedule of highly produced shows that revolve around professional esports, gaming culture, and video game news. Live and pre-recorded shows with charismatic hosts, including a number of Twitch streamers and YouTube creators, will air throughout the day. Vin has not said where its channel will be carried just yet, but the intention is to have it bundled alongside other niche channels in a cable package. Some content will also stream on Twitch and YouTube. Vin's immediate pitch almost feels outdated. People looking for esports and gaming coverage are now likely to tune in directly to their favorite stars and personalities on Twitch and YouTube. A network operating on a strict schedule centered on a slate of highly produced programming feels like an antithesis of where gaming entertainment exists today. It's also a very similar pitch to what G4TV attempted to offer more than a decade ago. The cable network had charismatic personalities who could speak expertly about the gaming space while also entertaining viewers with a casual interest, and it had series like Attack of the Show and X-Play that succeeded for years. The network ran from 2002 through 2014, and it went off the air due to a lack of overall viewership and programming cost. Vin's founders think that G4TV had the right idea, just not at the right time. Now, 91% of Gen Z plays video games and participates in gaming culture. Vin co-CEOs Ben Cusin, a former Vivendi executive and the son of a GameStop co-founder, and Ariel Horn, formerly Riot Games, head of production and an NBC Sports executive, want to serve that audience with a big budget and high production show slate geared towards what they're already playing. To do so, Cusin and Horn are not planning on competing with Twitch streamers and YouTubers. Instead, they will work with creators, including possibly licensing video series that creators upload to YouTube and then throw audiences back to that personality's original channel. Quote, we come in and we might go license an episode of their content, Cusin said. There are creators out there who get trending videos that have millions of views and who are actually creating TV formats, but they don't quite think of it in terms of it as a TV show. They just think of it as a user-generated content. So we are going to give you X amount of dollars and turn that video into a 30 or 60 minute show. Both Horn and Cusin see the relationship as a two way street. Twitch streamers and YouTubers will work with them, possibly using brand new New York City and Los Angeles studios to create professional shows. In turn, Vin will direct viewers to their channels. Horn and Cusin have already signed several creators in the space to host new shows, including a new late night series they are especially excited about. 
They decline to say who these personalities are. Cusin and Horn want to take the best of what G4 did and go one step further. From a programming strategy, that means less traditional esports coverage that hardcore fans might find on Twitch and more of a focus on familiar entertainment people can immediately recognize. Cusin compared popular gaming genres like speedrunning to competition shows like American Ninja Warrior, while comedies set in the world of Minecraft and Roblox are similar to True TV's and Practical Jokers. We know how well these can translate to traditional TV, Horn told The Verge. Traditional executives at network TV are starting to get it. There is a whole world of programming that is not on traditional television that would work on television, and that's our whole concept. Take the talent, take the IP, and use this idea of user-generated content to beget professional television. To achieve their goal, Horn and Cusin need Vin to be able to... Excuse me, to be available to everyone and anyone, meaning it won't be locked to Twitch or a specific streaming platform. The network wants to be distributed as widely as possible, and it's finalizing deals with seven different distribution partners, Cusin and Horn told The Verge. Cusin and Horn declined to say who those distributors are, but they said Vin is moving up its launch date from later this fall to July, acknowledging those partners will be announced soon. Horn told The Verge that when he was working with Riot on League of Legends, he noticed that people were working with a dual monitor setup. The primary monitor was dedicated to whatever game people were playing, but the secondary monitor existed as background noise almost. People would run old television shows, live sporting events, or Twitch streams that they could turn to during breaks while gaming. He believes that Vin can be the stream of constant entertainment the gamers run while playing, a network with an assortment of shows that people can get excited about. I just think it's the best of both worlds, Horn said, and it's very much on the nose from what we are seeing young people do. This is incredibly exciting to me. So, of course, if you've been on the channel for a while, you'll know I grew up with G4. I adore G4, and it's directly the reason why I'm here talking into this microphone, cutting a podcast, making videos, doing what I do today. I love the concept of having a 24-7 slate of high-quality gaming content. I think the value of that in today's day and age is second to none. And over the years, we've seen other people try and take up where G4 TV left off. Of course, you had the attack on Twitch, which was unfortunately uh, brought down too soon because of some poor mismanagement from Kevin Pereira, formerly a host of Attack of the Show. Then on top of that, you saw smaller shows begin to crop up. You saw Cyber Garbage, which is a smaller show that I wrote a blog on a couple of years back uh, that did get some traction, but ultimately, because of a lack of funding, has largely started to crumble a bit. Now we have Vin, which has the funding and the talent and the right vision to create something that is really going to stand out. And I think that this is something that is going to be uh, popular on the internet for sure. And I think that it could, if handled appropriately, translate to cable television. Now the question is, is there going to be enough content? Can their content team come up with enough concepts? And I think that with the right people on the team and by embracing the constantly flowing amount of content that is being generated online, you can absolutely find stuff to fill whatever kind of time slot you want. So with all that being said, this July is going to be very exciting for me personally, because like I said, I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. And also, one point that I did want to make, I am one of the people that is constantly watching something, even when I'm working. Uh, especially in these days where I'm working from home, this monitor that's sitting in front of me that I read all of these news stories off of, this is my main work monitor. Then below it, I have my work laptop with the screen open. And to my left, I have my second PC running a Twitch stream or a YouTube video or Spotify, whatever it might be. I always have something going on over there. 
And I think that I'm not alone in that. Most people tend to live their lives and complete their work in that way. So I think Vin could be that for me, uh, but I really hope that it's going to be top tier content and not just something that rehashes what we've already seen. I really think there's going to be some innovation here. It's also worth mentioning in their official press release, they have an entire arcade being set up at their New York World Trade Center location for their studio. That's awesome. This is like a dream job for me. So, hey, if you're out there and you happen to watch this, hit your boy up. I'm willing to relocate. However, Twitch is rolling out prime watch parties to U.S. streamers starting today. Twitch first revealed its plans for watch parties back in October 2019. The test feature would allow streamers to watch Prime video with their viewers as long as they were also Twitch Prime subscribers, which are also Amazon Prime subscribers. Now, Watch Party's beta is being expanded to all U.S. Twitch partners and will roll out to all U.S. creators in the coming weeks. Twitch says it plans to launch the feature worldwide in the coming months. This could not come at a more opportune time since millions of people around the world are currently stuck indoors due to COVID-19 measures and streamers and influencers are tasked with keeping their audiences occupied. The new beta will also include a picture-by-picture -picture format so viewers can see and hear how streamers react to every scene. Content is still a bit limited, with standout choices including Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan series, Star Trek, and Survivor, but this list is set to grow as watch parties become more popular, and given the current global circumstances, they certainly will. Now, for those that aren't keeping up with how people are socializing in today's day and age, uh, we do have Netflix parties online. That's essentially where a Google Chrome add-on can synchronize every person's viewer time, uh, where you all queue up at zero, in other words, and you can begin watching a Netflix show on your own. This is the evolution of that, where it plugs your Twitch into Amazon Prime, and if you are a streamer, you can share in the viewing experience with your audience, uh, which I think is a pretty neat way to communicate with each other and to hang out, essentially. It really does break down that barrier even further that exists between somebody watching at home and the streamer on the other side. I think that really, uh, this is something that is going to stand out in smaller communities. Whether you're partnered or not, I think that it's really interesting to be able to connect with people on this level because this is very in-depth in my opinion. It's literally like having somebody sitting beside you watching a movie. I like it. I can appreciate it. And also, John Krasinski, what a guy. You gotta love Jim from The Office. And on top of that, the guy from A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2 coming soon to theaters, if the theaters ever open again. Oh, God. Uh, but, however, if you do want to dive in and give stuff a watch on Twitch, it looks like Prime Watch parties are rolling out now across the United States, and they could be coming your way in the next few weeks. However, we have an update on BlizzCon, although nothing is definitive right now. I thought about not including this in today's news because there really is nothing to report, but it is a confusing time for anyone who is trying to plan life beyond a week from now. This pandemic has the status of everything up in the air, and no one truly knows how long COVID-19 restrictions will be in place. Will it be safe to go to an airport in August? Can I go to a concert in September? No one knows. That's why Blizzard's official statement about BlizzCon 2020 is basically this. Your guess is as good as ours. BlizzCon is traditionally held in early November, and that's too far away to know if the show can be safely staged. Blizzard says, while we are all hopeful things will look better later in the year, the bottom line is that at this point it's too early to know whether BlizzCon 2020 will be feasible. Blizzard also acknowledges that it might be several months before it knows whether it's forced to cancel BlizzCon or not. Most people generally try to book their travel and accommodations as soon as possible, but they will have to grapple with the same uncertainty that everyone else faces right now. There are some global extenuating circumstances that need to be cleared up first. 
So right now, BlizzCon up in the air. Will it happen? That's kind of yet to be seen. I think that really, truly, we are going to have to wait and see if this is going to be possible. Because at the moment, uh, it's very confident, I will say that, to plan any kind of event. Uh, and it's very confident to be able to say, hey, I want to go to said event. I think that the experts are beginning to understand more about the virus and things are beginning to level off at the very least. I think that the COVID-19 situation is beginning to reach a peak and then we will begin to decline. But, and I want to make it very clear, I'm no professional, I am no doctor, I am no medical aficionado. I have heard that the chance of this virus resurging in the fall is very high. So in November, we could be dealing with this situation once again. I really hope that doesn't happen because I am just as tired of being in my house as anyone else is. And that's coming from a guy who generally stays in his apartment almost all the time outside of going to work and to the gym. But I will say this is probably a wise move because now it doesn't keep people guessing over the summer. You don't have people booking flights. You don't have any of that kind of uh, behavior going on. So BlizzCon's still up in the air right now. But one thing that is not quite as up in the air as it was before, it looks like Dead Island 2 will be a cross-gen game according to a new job listing. A job listing at Dan Buster Studios, the new developer of Dead Island 2, suggests the long-awaited zombie sequel will be available on both current and next-gen consoles. The listing in question is for the position of art director. It specifically cites the next installment in the world-renowned Dead Island franchise. More pertinently, of the eight job listings on Dan Buster's site that are related to Dead Island 2, it's the only one that describes it as a groundbreaking title for current and future platforms. This is not 100% infallible confirmation, but it is a pretty solid indicator that Dead Island 2 will be a cross-gen game. It's darkly funny that Dead Island 2 has been in development for so long and has changed hands so many times that an entirely new generation of consoles will likely launch before it. At the same time, it may make financial sense for Dan Buster and parent publisher Koch Media to target new platforms as well as existing ones. If they are available, the market is big enough and porting to next-gen is not unreasonably difficult, why not? Hell, maybe a new console generation will give the game a shot and the arm it needs to survive. Because cross-gen availability is aside, the bigger question with Dead Island 2 is when we will get to play it, which is still better than wondering if we will actually get to play it, which was unclear for several years. The project shifted from Jaeger Development to Sumo Digital and finally to Dan Buster. And while Koch Media maintains that Dead Island is a very important brand for us and we've got to get it right, we have not seen any sign of life from Dead Island 2 in ages. At the same time, Dan Buster is clearly hiring for a reason, so we will just have to trust that we'll hear something before the heat death of the universe takes us all. That was dark. Uh, this is something that I cannot believe I'm still discussing on this show in 2020. Dead Island 2 is still in development. To put it into perspective how long it's been since Dead Island came out, I remember playing the game and getting hung in a glitch on the PlayStation 3, I'm talking about the original game, whenever I was in roughly, I want to say, uh, around ninth grade. Let's see, Dead Island release date. I want to see. It came out in September of 2011. That has been nine years. I am now 23. That means that I played this game when I was 14. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, but I think that it's probably a good move to bring this to next-gen consoles, specifically if it is a native game. Because it's a common fact that it doesn't matter how bad a game is, if it launches alongside a new console, more people are going to be playing it 
out of the fact that it is a brand new game. If you look back to the beginning of the PlayStation 4's life cycle, you have things like Dirty Bomb that come to mind. Which, don't get me wrong, Dirty Bomb was a fine game, but it was a free-to-play shooter on the PlayStation 4. Perfect. Ideal. Great. Uh, and I think that's a big deal whenever you think about what is going to be getting players in the door. If Dead Island 2 comes out and it's a solid 7 out of 10, let's give it the benefit of the doubt, uh, then right there you have a winner for many people that are just jumping on board with the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X. Uh, but if I had to guess, this is probably going to be a fall 2021 or even spring to fall of 2022 game. So by that time, we could already have uh, Dying Light 2, which is the superior game by and large in a lot of ways from what we've seen so far. Uh, and I think that could definitely steal the show. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm hoping the best for Dead Island 2. Uh, but considering its development, hell, I would be shocked if this is something that is really going to be uh, driving people insane whenever it does launch. But I'm hoping for the best and expecting the worst. However, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about the show, about the news we talked about today. Will you be watching content on Vin? Are you going to try to go to BlizzCon if it is in fact held? Or will you be watching a watch party on Twitch this weekend? I would love to see you in the comment section down below. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon and peace.